Welcome to the Life in Deep Ellum podcast, exploring the sacred in art, faith, and community. So the last few weeks, um, if you've been if you've been here, and, and I don't if it's your first time here, you're you're joining us, and so I'm so glad that you're here. Um, but we've been on this conversation about gathering and what it means to gather, why we gather. Our our worship service is called the gathering. So we started off exploring um, what it means to be community, what it means to, to take communion together. So if you remember, we took communion together. Then we talked about how gathering itself is a practice in the ministry of reconciliation, that really hard work that we do where we make things more even and we restore God's peace on earth through the act of gathering. We remembered that gathering will sometimes, oftentimes, ask us to trust Jesus more than we trust tradition. That sometimes we will have to break the rules with our Lord when we gather. We relished in the fact that with God, there will always be enough at the table. And we can live our lives with a spirit of abundance. And last week, our dear Josh Kogan, who has made it safely to Washington, D.C., charged us to gather not only within these warehouse walls, but to go out and gather in the neighborhood that we call home. He called it the gospel of proximity, what's right by us. But what undergirds all of this? What holds all of this together? What's the underlying theme? Well, you might know the answer. It's love. I have been thinking a lot about love. Imagine that, I'm a pastor. It's kind of my job. But the more I grow in my relationship to God, the more God teaches me about love. And it turns out that real love is is not what I thought it was. And the other thing is that the more I practice this real kind of love, the more I realize how new to it I really am. Because love isn't a fuzzy feeling. It isn't a nostalgia. It isn't just the warm feeling you have for your biological relatives or the not so warm feelings you might have. It isn't really a feeling at all. It isn't just the feeling you have for people that you've known a really long time and you still call friend. And it doesn't just happen by accident. Sometimes we have friends for a long time, and so we think that love will just happen. We've spent a lot of time gathering with these friends, so love should be there, right? God's love should be abundant because we've spent time together. But time spent together is not a predictor of the love that will show up. So many marriages 
would be blooming in love. (laughs) Blooming. They'd be thriving in love. If time was the deciding factor, right? Wow, 30 years together? You must be so great at love. We say that, don't we? And we often think that longevity is love. But there's something else happening there. There's something else that really, really makes God's love real. And you can't make love. Don't get me wrong, even if you're spending 30 years together, you can make love as a couple. Don't get me wrong. But even that phrase, right, I see the problem with it because the thing is you can't actually create it. You can't make it. Because if you could, love making would be the magic factor in the longevity of love. But love really isn't about that. Or it's not just about that. Love isn't attachment or chemistry. It's not obligatory gift giving. Love is an attachment. Oh, we could stop right there. Our world tells us that love is just being attached to someone and agreeing with what they do or protecting them at all costs or defending them. And then when that gets exhausting, you go to your other friends and you're passive aggressive and resentful. (laughs) But that's not love, is it? So we know that love isn't all these other things. But then we also have this other idea within Christianity that love is just pure grit. It's just always hard. It's never delightful. It's never full of joy. It just pushes through and takes out the trash and says I'm sorry and remembers to pack the lunch and just keeps going. (laughs) Maybe you've practiced that kind of love before. And yes, my friends, it does all that. Love does take out the trash and say I'm sorry and remember to pack the lunch. But it does even more than that. And God's love is not only about actions and it's not only about feelings, it's a posture. It's an active way of living your life to show the realness, the sincerity of God's love made real in Jesus. That's love. And here's the big surprise. It isn't just about one-on-one relationships. Our culture is constantly focusing on that part, right? Being in love. Being in love, but not living a life in God's love. Where is 
Where is the, the path for that? So many articles about falling in and out of love, but what about rooting your life in love? What about getting so comfortable in God's love that you root down in it? That's being in love. And that doesn't go away. Because it's not just a feeling. It's a posture with God. Jenna, what does posture mean? Well, think about it. When you think about your posture, right? Think about how when you're feeling farther from, from love, you kind of go like this. You close in. Your world gets really small. You feel unsafe. You have to protect yourself. But a posture of love means that we, we stand up, we root down, and we open up our hands. And it's not just about one-on-one. -on -one. It's this force that weaves and dances among us, and its reach is farther than you could ever imagine. So why am I talking so much about, about love? Well, we have spent so much time as Christians talking about God's love. For God so loved the world. We've had that verse memorized. We've spent so much time thinking and talking and visualizing and debating about God's love and who gets it and who doesn't. And we've talked so much about God's love as if it's this concept up in the sky, far away from us. But the thing is, that's just not actually biblical. It's just not what the Bible says. If God's love was just this concept that we have to master and then convince other people about, that's one way to do the gospel, right? Is to just intellectually grasp the, God, the love of God and then force other people to understand it in the way that you do. And I spend time talking about that because that's the prevalent way. So we gotta talk about it. That's what's happening around us. Love is this concept, it's this thing that's a transaction. And love happened 2,000 years ago and you just need to believe it in the right way to know that this exactly happened. But then what about living your life? Paul tells us in Romans another way. He always reminded his people that God's love was alive in them. Do you hear that? God's love was alive in in them. Friends, this is the incarnational love of the God that we worship. God's love comes alive in us. And so it goes from concept to actualization in our very lives. Through the power of the crucified and risen Christ, love lives in us. And so are we letting it live in us?
or are we stifling it? We can spend less time talking about what God's love is like. A lot of people want to talk to you about it, right? They want to tell you how loving God is. God loves you no matter what. God forgives you no matter what. But do they forgive you no matter what? Do they love you no matter what? Has God's love come alive in them? And I don't just say that about some imaginary them. I say it about myself too. Because we can all look inward and think about the times when we preach concepts without letting those concepts transform us too. Because people know real love. They can feel it. Paul tells us this other way. This way that is all about letting love come alive in you. He says in Romans chapter 12, you can join me if you want, but there's no pressure to open a Bible. You can just be here if that's where you need to be. In the 12th chapter of Romans, he begins this beautiful, beautiful passage. And Paul is a master of preaching about love. He says, let love be genuine. <laughs> Another translation says, love must be sincere. If it is not genuine, this is my words, not Paul. If it is not genuine, it's not love. Because according to Paul, love must be genuine. Love must be sincere. I was talking with the youth this morning about uh, genuine and sincerity, and they were telling me so much about social media and how that's just completely changed this whole landscape we're in. And whether you're a teenager or you're a grown-up, you can identify with this fact that we're all in this new world where there's these images and stories and posts and it's hard to find sincerity there. And they were saying how hard it is to feel like they can be genuine in a world that's just not genuine. But if it's not genuine, it's not love. And this genuine thing is interesting, too, that he uses this word because we often see in ourselves and others genuine other things. <laughs> Road rage is like the worst it's ever been right now. So people can be genuinely angry. They've got some genuine rudeness. They've got some sincere apathy some authentic betrayal. And if we can be sincere in those other postures, why can't we be sincere in love? How much more powerful will our sincerity be when we devote our sincerity to love? And I have to wonder with 
the road rage and the apathy and the rudeness, if, if all of those postures are truly sincere? Is that really who we are? Or are we just resisting love in those moments? Are we just letting something other than Jesus rule in our hearts? Sincerity, it's so, so important to God. And it's not a big seller, it's not like, you know, a guarantee to make a mega church. If it was, there would be so many mega churches that were really sincere people. It's the harder way, but it's the way that I know that we are capable of. Martin Luther King Jr. said this about sincerity. He said, sincerity and conscientiousness in themselves are not enough. Nothing in all the world is more dangerous than sincere ignorance and conscientious stupidity. The church must urge people to be kind-hearted and sincere. Again, sincerity is not the goal. It's a love that is sincere. I love the song we've been singing lately, we're all late bloomers when it comes to genuine love. I added genuine. Because I think we really are all late bloomers when it comes to Christ-like love. I think we don't know very much about it. <laughs> I really do. I think that we love the best we can or we love the way that we have been loved. And if we have been hurt in the name of love, we may not trust that love can be genuine at all. We're late bloomers, friends. But I know a lot about being a late bloomer and we all do. We all know what it feels like to evolve. So what if we let God evolve us toward genuine love, towards a sincerity of the heart, towards a posture of love? I'm still evolving into so much of what I know to be true about life and faith. So many of you tell me, I don't know what I believe. I hear that probably once a week. <laughs> I'm gonna start like putting it in a jar, like how many times I hear that. How many times lied people are like, I have no idea what I believe. And I'm like, well, you believed enough. You believe something, <laughs> like can we start somewhere? <laughs> but honestly, I'm right there with you. I'm evolving and I, I will never speak in a way that is with 100% certainty. Because I desire to be genuine with you. And so I can't say a lot with certainty, but there is one thing, my friends, that I can say with certainty. 
there is one thing that I can say with genuineness to you. There is one thing that I know in my bones to be genuinely true. And that is this, that you and I and everyone, every creature, every living thing, we are all genuinely loved by God. That's what I know to be true. And that's a really big deal. <laughs> it's enough. It's enough. And it's okay if today that doesn't quite feel true to you. It's okay if your soul is still unlearning things and evolving and questioning. That's all okay. But I hope, it is my hope, that you will come into this place week after week and find a group of people that are imperfectly trying to genuinely love each other. It is this love, my friends, that can change everything. It is this love that sustains marriages. It is this love that creates peace in our world. It's this love that creates new systems and cultures of dignity and care. It's this love, my friends, that changes everything. So we might be late bloomers and we might be bad at it. Like really, we might just like try it and just suck. Yeah. But the thing about grace is that God has already approved of us. God has already said, I love you. For God so loved the world. Remember that part? God has already approved of us. God has already shown us a great act of mercy. So we don't have to worry about getting it right. Because that's actually more about us, right? That's back in our ego. That's back in how do we get this right? But because God has already looked so graciously upon us, we can do some trial and error with genuine love. We can try it out. And this also happens when we decide to genuinely love ourselves. Yes, I'm getting into some self-love, okay? Because I truly believe that genuine love starts here. It starts with God. And then it warms up yourself. And then it reaches out to other people. There's the whole debate, well, can you really love someone else if you don't love yourself? And people really get into it online about that. They're like, yes, I can love somebody else even if I hate myself. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, go ahead. Go on and try that. But how sustainable is it? Because a genuine love for yourself means that we can really listen to others when they say, you've hurt me. 
And if you don't love yourself, you'll just get paralyzed with shame. You'll just shut down. But a genuine love of self says, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that I hurt you. How can we repair this? That is genuine love. We can get out of the way of love. Love is trying to make itself known in our world and we're just in the way. But if we move out of this survival instinct which just seeks to preserve ourselves, right, that posture of preservation, and we start to stand up tall, and we start to trust that we'll be okay, and we start to trust that God is with us and God is living in us, and that the love of Christ is alive in us, we can endure and persist and apologize when harm is done. Paul goes on to say, hate what is evil, hold fast to what is good. And if you're, if you're following along in scripture, you're like, Jenna, that's just the first line. You haven't even gotten to the rest of the line. But let love be genuine could take your whole life to figure out. So sometimes we gotta break it down <laughs> and start small. But I will go on to say that he goes on to say, hate what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. And the word hate is actually not a strong enough word for the original translation. Hate doesn't even get strong enough. Loathe is better. Loathe what is evil. But here's the thing, my friends. I want you to notice that Paul says to loathe what is evil, not loathe who is evil. Do you hear that? Paul says to loathe evil, hate what is evil, loathe what is evil. He doesn't say go out and loathe evil people. Because the second we think that evil is only out there, we fool ourselves. Because evil and woundedness and hatred and darkness, it can live in all of us. It does live in all of us. But we have begun to die to that and we are resurrected in Christ and we're living in love. So when we are living in love, when we are practicing this, we can loathe what is evil without loathing another person. It is like the most powerful thing. It's kind of a version of love the sinner, hate the sin. <laughs> You know, and I don't really agree with that verse or that, that phrase too often and how it's been weaponized against people. But I guess I could kind of reframe it to see that we could call out evil and detach from showing hatred to another person. He goes on to say, do not lag in zeal. Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. And I want you to notice how active these verbs are. They aren't passive, flowery words as, as the culture would have you to think of love. This flowery, fuzzy feeling of warmth and beauty. These are active words. They're powerful words. 
Be ardent in spirit. Serve the Lord. Have a posture of love. I um, will start to close us in this reflection with a quote from someone named Valerie um, who wrote the book, Valerie Carr, who wrote the book, See No Stranger, a memoir and manifesto of revolutionary love. And she says this, she says, love is more than a feeling. Love is a form of sweet labor. Yes, like, like laboring a baby. Fierce, bloody, imperfect, and life-giving, a choice we make over and over again. If love is like labor, love can be taught, modeled, and practiced. This labor engages all our emotions. Joy is the gift of love. Grief is the price of love. Anger protects that which is loved. And when we think we have reached our limit, wonder is the act that returns us to love. It's a beautiful book. Think about labor. Think about how hard that is. I've never done it, but I hear horror stories. <laughs> it's hard, it's imperfect, it's challenging. But this is what God calls us to do, to birth a new world, a world that shows others the power of the love of Jesus, not just as a concept, not just as something to understand mentally, but something that they feel in their very bones and then they live their lives in a new way because God's love has come alive in them. Will you pray with me? Oh God, we're so grateful that you love, you love us. Your word says, for God so loved the world, and oh how we give you thanks that before we did anything to earn this love, you poured it out among us. Before we were ever perfect at it, God. Before we had even tried to master this thing called love, you already had mastered it. And so, oh God, we long for this love to come alive in us. Help it come alive in our relationships, in our friendships, in our partnerships within this community. May love pour out in us. May love 
rule in us. May we become like Christ, O oh God. May we love and live and lead and listen like Christ. And forgive us, O oh God, for all the times we've done anything but that. It's all this we ask in your son's precious name, our Lord, our Savior, our lover. Amen.